Welcome to episode five of the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Julie. How are you? I'm fine. I'm I'm glad uh, we live in the D.C. area where we're only at single digits tomorrow versus some of our friends and runners who are in Chicago oh. with a high of negative 12 today. Our friends in Chicago reported schools are canceled, closed today because of the cold weather. And I don't know if you know this, maybe you know already, but government workers here in D.C. can telework tomorrow because it's going to be so cold here, although relative, uh, yeah, relative, it's, it's, it's balmy. Yeah, I mean, I hear they're calling Chicago Chiberia, it's, which is hysterical. But it's not even the worst. <laughs> I have a friend who lives in North Dakota, uh-huh. and he is in a city that is expected to get wind chills of negative 66. <sighs> so when somebody asked me this morning, do you run in these cold temperatures? Mm-hmm. I actually explained that when I first started running, I didn't like to run in anything under about 50 degrees. But now I will go out in just about anything, especially to avoid having to run on the treadmill. I will avoid ice if there's ice or remnants of ice outside. But I will run in just about anything. But I told her, I said, well, today's temperatures here seem warm compared to our friends that are in other places. I know some of our runners, we've told them they should be running on the treadmill. This is a time they need to run on the treadmill when it's high of negative 12 outside. So got to draw a line somewhere, but I've still been okay running outside in the cold temperatures. So what's your plan for tomorrow? Because tomorrow morning is, is probably going to be our coldest day of the year so far. And the wind chills look like they will probably be below zero at some points. So what's your plan? Yeah, I'm going to play it by ear tomorrow. That's Thursday's typically my long run day. I'm fortunate in that I've got flexibility on Thursdays so I can go out a little bit later. So I'll try to go out eight, nine o'clock and it looks like it's going to be sunny. So I'm going to just play it by ear. I'm going to go out and see what it's like. I'm going to dress really warmly. I think I mentioned to you before we have a, I have a pair of Lululemon fleece joggers that I typically wear just around the house. They're really warm. And the last time it was really cold, I put them over my tights and they were fabulous. So I think I'll wear those. I'll wear my hand warmers. I'll wear uh, a, a neck warmer probably, and uh, I'll, I'll bundle up and I'll, I'll give it a try. I think the main thing tomorrow will be the winds. And also if there's any remaining ice on the roads, I may turn around and, and head back. But I feel like my training's been pretty solid. I've gotten in my long runs every week that I'm okay. I have some flexibility where I can take a step back week if I have to and, and run a little bit shorter and just push my long run to next week when the temperatures look to be mild again. Yeah, and I think that's a great perspective. We always say to our runners that the calendar, the training calendar, is a guideline, not a mandate. And while it may feel um, imperative to do every single long run and every distance that's noted on the calendar, if you have to miss a long run one week, it's it's pretty negligible in the in the. Absolutely, as as long as you've gotten most of your training in, and you know, ninety percent, ninety five percent of your training, missing a run, shortening a run, taking out the speed work is not going to make a difference in the long run. So, I agree. Yeah, it's really and important. On the opposite end of the spectrum of weather, though. Let's talk about the weather you just had in Florida. Yes. <laughs> Tell okay. Me about your race. Well, first of all, there was you almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. Here, I I know we've talked about the fact for those who are new to the podcast. Um, I had planned to go down to Miami last weekend and run the Miami half marathon, my first time running that race. And, um, the day, uh, that I was supposed to leave, which was Saturday, early, early Saturday morning, the day before that was the day that planes, um, were 
were grounded at LaGuardia and uh, the Philadelphia airport. And I, I just felt like it was only a matter of time before planes would be grounded at National, which is where I was flying out of. And that coupled with the shutdown, coupled with warnings about flying, coupled with the forecast for Miami that weekend, which looked like a complete downpour for three days, I was just, I felt like the signs were for me not to go. And then um, I was going back and forth and then suddenly the government opens and suddenly planes were flying. And this all happened within a couple of hours on Friday. I know, because I talked to you and you said we've canceled. (laughs) And then you texted me, you're like, I'm on a plane. Yes. (laughs) I mean, usually I'm not that indecisive. And frankly, I wouldn't cancel a trip because it's going to rain, but it was just the, the drama everything. with everything. Well, everything all together. The yeah. signs were all pointing. It, it but was, you went. I and went. Luckily then Aaron got his, I was thinking if you didn't go, Aaron wouldn't have his watch charger. We talked last week about a friend of ours, local friend of ours who got down to Florida for the, for the race and realized he didn't have his watch charger and you kindly got it from his father and we're bringing it down. I thought if you didn't go, he's not going to have a watch charger. Correct. So Aaron Anderson's day. dad, Flip, Dropped off the charger, and I brought the charger down to Miami with me, and um, I went from the airport to the expo and found Aaron and gave him the charger, and he looked so happy. Was it pouring when you got there? Yeah, it was raining. Um, Not a downpour, but just sort of a steady rain, but it was so warm, I, I just didn't care. And so I met up with my best friend from college and she and I went to the expo together even though she's not running the race she's never been to an expo and was really yes but was was, it a good expo it was awesome it was in the heart of the Wynwood Arts District which I just love that arts district it's incredible for anyone who has not been to that part of Miami it is worth a trip it's in downtown Miami not near South Beach but just a quick cab or uber over there and you really feel like you're in a totally different you don't feel like you're in Florida. It's huh. it's just great exhibits and, of course, the famous graffiti art and great picture-taking opportunities for – you see a lot of teens there getting their Instagram photos and adults. But just really, really cool, eclectic area with art and coffee shops and restaurants, and we, we just had the best time. So – that in and of itself made the race worthwhile because it got me to an area of Miami that I hadn't explored before. Now, did you stay at a hotel that was near the start finish or did you stay? Where did you stay? Oh, we got a great deal um, at a hotel in South Beach and that was, that was great. We, we had a really nice pool and we actually had to use it. The weather did clear up and that was really nice. It was right on the beach and um, there weren't any people there, um, I felt like, doing the race. So it was kind of nice because... We weren't entrenched in that sort of race environment. So I really felt like it was very relaxing and fun and not focused so much on running, right. which was my goal. Race on the side. Yeah, I was going down there to spend time with my girlfriend and, and it worked out that the race was the same weekend that we could both go and it was just perfect timing and it was so fun. And I'm glad it was that way because it, it wasn't my greatest race. And so I think if I had focused more on the race or made it sort of a goal race versus a training run slash tune-up. I, I or a prob- fun tune training yeah. run on the side of a vacation. I probably would have put a little more uh, emotion into my finish. And so I'll explain about that in a second. So yeah, I stayed at the hotel. We had sushi for dinner uh, the night before the race, which is... That's our favorite our, pre-race meal. Yes, <laughs> we love sushi before a race. It's got the perfect combination of the carbs and protein and, and sodium. Yes, yeah, and sodium. With the heat and humidity that you're going to have. Um yeah, I did. You know, I I don't really like soy, soy sauce, so I don't do that. Maybe I should put some more on my sushi. 
Um, maybe I needed a little more, but uh, yeah, it was great. So uh, the race was Sunday morning, and how it works with the Miami Marathon is what you do is you take a bus from the uh, con- Amer- convention center in South Beach, if you're staying there, to the American Airlines Arena, and it's about a 15-minute bus ride. So I had to get myself to the bus, and buses started departing around 4 o'clock, Ooh. so really early, and... So I was going to walk, thinking there'd be a lot of people up and down um, Collins Ave walking on this main road. It was desolate. What time? It was. What? I got down to my hotel at 3.45, oh, but yeah. the buses were leaving at 4, and the race started at 6. Yeah. So I felt like I yeah. needed to get... And I didn't know my lay of the land, and it was raining, yeah, right. and rain makes everything take longer. So I was really trying to be strategic, but... There was I, nobody out there. There was no one out there, so... I waited a little bit in the lobby. I had some coffee from my room and then Ubered over there and got on a bus, pitch black, as you noted. And um, yeah, it was it was definitely pouring rain, but I was able to use my Boston poncho. And you remember the ponchos we got at I the do. end of the, the Boston Marathon? The silver ones with They're like high quality ponchos. Totally. They're, yeah, reusable. Yeah, so much better than the Mylar blankets yeah. you usually get. And I never save stuff like that. I am not a hoarder. But for some reason last year, I felt a need to save that. And it came in handy. It was light to pack. And uh, I used that to stay dry. And it was muddy all around the start um, because of the rains. Right, and it's a park there. It's so a it was, park. Yeah. It was just mud. But again, it was if this was my goal race, I would have been so bummed. I but I looked around and no one seemed at all bothered by anything. It was almost like everyone expected it to be much worse in terms of the rain. So it was like a light, steady rain versus a it's torrential downpour. Right. And it was humid, but it, it didn't seem that bad. So I checked a bag, um, got into my corrals, like you described, loved hearing all of the different languages all around me. It was so cool, and all the announcements were in English and Spanish. Um, they said it's the third most international race in the country. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, really neat. Super fun. How was the corral system getting into the corrals? Okay. Was it crowded for you or hard to navigate, especially in the dark? So I was originally signed to Corral C, and so I produced a time at the expo, and they moved me up to B. Okay. So I was right behind the elites, which was really nice. And while it was crowded, it, I was comfortable. The the one thing that was annoying was right before the race, um, I found Aaron Anderson out of all the people, and we warmed up together a little bit, which which is hysterical because he ran his race. He had an amazing race. He ran a pace, I think, of 6.15 the whole time and did a like a 2.46. I think yeah, that was a that PR was, for him, yeah. um, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. So I'm glad we had a little part in that. Um, so we were warming up, and then I jumped into my corral, and I was totally warm. And then um, they had to wait a little while for the city to clear the streets. So the race oh. didn't start until 6.15. Oh, wow. Or I didn't start until 6.15. Yeah. And it was supposed to start at 6. That seems like nothing, but that's a long, time, a long time to be, be standing. Yeah. yeah, especially in the rain and after you've warmed yes. up. Yeah. 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 So the rain had kind of calmed down at that point. I, I didn't... I, I had the hood on of, of my poncho. That wasn't bothering you. No. Yeah. And then the race started, and um, there was a lot, like I predicted, a lot of people weaving and bopping, and I tried not to do a lot of that because I knew eventually everyone would spread out. Um, and I, I, it's dark, and I crossed over the first the tiny bridge. bridge. It was yeah. like right, mm-hmm. and 
oh my gosh, the wind gusts were crazy. And so I spent a good, I would say, first 45 minutes of the race thinking about, do I want to surge and get up to those people up there to draft? Or do I want to stay where I am, which is my half marathon, my typical half marathon pace is somewhere between like 7.10 and 7.20. And I was keeping that, but I felt like I was fighting it a little bit. Like it didn't. And that's early on to feel like that. And I wasn't breathing heavily, but it was more like my body was fighting the winds. So I kept thinking of your Uh mantra that we talked about, absorb the body blow. And I was like, I am absorbing the body blow. And then I kept thinking, do I want to get up to these taller people? But it would have meant for me to waste even more energy. Early in the race. Early in the race, first 45 minutes to surge. So I made the tactical decision to kind of stick where I was, um, sort of in no man's land, and keep going at the pace that you know, I was able to maintain that 720-ish pace. Some of my miles were a little slower because it was hilly. Yep. One was a little faster because it was a little downhill. And I was really positive, like, I'm going to – these headwinds will be tailwinds. When we turn around, it's going to be fine. So I was kind of just bopping along thinking about that and took my nutrition. I took my um, – I, took, I did gels because while I normally do honey stingers for packing purposes, it's so much easier when you're little, just doing small, a little check-on yep. bag. I just brought some um, some goo. Um, I can't take more than one or two of those in a race, but I can, my stomach can handle one or two. Usually I do honey stingers. But yeah, how far into the race did you take that first one? I took the first one, my salted caramel, at um, about 35 minutes in, and then my second one I took about an hour, hour and 10 minutes in. Okay. Um, I probably didn't need the second one, but at that point I was like, I'll take whatever I can get. So my point is after I crossed the second bridge and I was anticipating that tailwind, um, the rain subsided and it got heavy, humid, like suddenly a new front blew in and it got super humid. And I didn't think about it at first. I kept going, but I had that feeling you get a little bit. That thick. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. So in, in literally an hour of this race, we had rain, wind, humidity. And None so, of which, except for maybe the winds we've had here. Well, we've had rain too, but not in the heat, the heat and humidity. Yeah. And, you know, wind, wind I think is important to practice in. And I'm, I was actually not upset that it was windy because I think it's really – we've talked about this. It's really important, especially for me with um, – wind upsets me. And I, I need to race in wind. So when that was happening – Face your fears. I was trying really hard to just – it's going to be a tailwind. I'm not going to get upset about this. Yeah. I can't I'm, – I'm, even effort, even effort. But um, when the humidity set in, it was probably about mile 10. And if you look at my splits, mile 10, 11, I'd say between mile 10 and 11, I was still in the range. And then 11 and 12, oh, I was, I was down to like almost eight. And then 13, I picked it back up again. But it just wasn't enough for me to even finish in close to my normal half marathon time. So I did 140, um, crossed the finish line. It's still a great time. It's great, yeah, but not typical of what I usually do. And I ended up placing, much to my surprise, according to the results, fourth in my age group. So clearly... And that's a huge race. Yeah. A very competitive race. Yeah, so clearly um, others struggled. Not that I wish that on anyone. Um, It was just... It was tough. But um, I had a really nice time. I would totally do it again. Um, well-organized race. Well-organized. 
put a shout out to Lifetime. Mm. I teach at Lifetime and we, the, Lifetime is the organizer of the race and I, I think they do a really good job oh, and they're really on they top of the logistics and communications and totally. timing. And one thing I actually love about that race, which is probably controversial, is they'll pull anybody without a bib towards the end. They're really on the lookout for oh, they were, bandits. They, they were violent. Hardcore. So hardcore. I, was, yeah. I was going into the finishing shoot. I probably had about point two to go and some guy jumps in my face and yep. show your bib i mean my bib's right there uh-huh. but man um they are hardcore I they're actually you can, you can google videos i mean look on youtube mm-hmm. for videos at, at the finish of the miami marathon mm-hmm. and half marathon they will yank people out which is is really um you know we we are against banditing oh, yeah. races uh but they're hardcore about it so um, so that's great. Well, congratulations. Thank I you. Thought you did great. And I'm glad you got out. I was just glad to see you got out of here. I was so disappointed when you told me you were going to cancel. I thought, what a bummer. Cause I know you were looking forward yeah. to the weekend just to begin with. And what a bummer that would have been. So I'm glad you got out of here. I'm glad you went down. And that seems like a rainy, you know, you know, when I did that race, it was also, it was colder too. It was like 50 and rainy. It seems like a rainy race every yeah, what's year. What's up so with that? It's a shame because it's a beautiful course and it would be nice if it was a beautiful morning to be able to actually look around and take Absolutely. in the course versus being like, like you, wind is my biggest people ask, oh, are you worried about rain or cold or, and you know, I don't prefer it, but I will, I get more nervous when, and, and. Um, a trepidation when there's wind because yeah. it just takes a lot out of you. It, it does. It, you, you know, you do have to absorb that body blow, but it takes a lot more out of you. A hill, you know, will end. You'll get to the top. You'll get the downhill. A wind may may pick up, may not. But the one thing I've always had in my mind, I always keep in my mind, that I also did last time I ran in the wind here was it's not going to last forever. And I kept that in mind at Boston last year too. You know, we'd have heavy rains and wind for a little bit, and then it would let up. And I would try to take advantage of that and, and, and appreciate that. And then when it started again, I'd say, okay, maybe it'll last 10 minutes. Maybe it'll be 15 minutes, but hopefully it can't last forever. So I try to think of just like my kids growing up and you know, little things we had with our kids. And, <laughs> uh, a phase. Fears we had just a phase. This, this too shall pass. So this I try to keep pass. it up. But, but it sounds like you had a great race. So it was congratulations. great. Congratulations. And thank you. And I, I also want to give a big shout out to our runner, one of our virtual coaching clients, Dana Hunter, who ran the race as well. She has six kids. I know. She's no amazing. excuses. No excuses. And she ran the Miami half and her goal was to do our, our, let me rephrase that. Our goal for her based on her her training which was phenomenal on a perfect day, we very much believe she would have finished in the high 130s. She really had the races, the tune-ups to to support that, but it was really windy and um she struggled a bit, but she still had a big PR and she was thrilled and we're thrilled she did a 151 and she's got even bigger things ahead, I think. She's a phenomenal runner. So, props That's to great. her. Love yeah. It. That's great. Yeah. So, um yeah, so for this week, the one thing um I wanted to talk about really quickly before we jump off and talk about this week, I forgot to mention this, is one positive that I felt during the race was even when there were elements that were causing me to slow down, I felt like my form was was good. I felt, I didn't feel like my upper body was sort of hunching over a little bit, which is something that we all tend to do when we get tired and you have to work a little harder to keep your form. And the one trick we tell our runners when keeping good form is pretend someone's taking a picture of you, like a race photographer, and you want to look good, put your shoulders back and suddenly you see people do that. They put their shoulders back, 
they pose, they run, and then all of a sudden their shoulders like hunch forward. Do you remember when we were doing our Lululemon photo shoot and we were running yes. back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for probably an hour yeah. with uh, a photographer taking pictures of us and we said we've never focused so hard on form before. So you're exactly right. That's a good, yes. good piece of advice, I think. Yeah. And we also tell runners, squeeze your butt. Yeah. Uh, rem- or like remind yourself that your butt should be working. So turn on turn on those glutes and make sure you remind yourself uh, that your butt should be working. Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing that um, was really good that I was commenting on was I think that what is attributable somewhat to uh, my form being a little better, or at least I felt it was better, is that I've really been focusing a lot on strength training over the past couple of years. And, um, this past cycle training cycle, I wasn't training for a marathon. I was doing shorter stuff so I could really get to do my strength training a little bit more. And I tended to do it more three, four times a week versus two times a week. And I think just being able to add in that extra time helped. Um, now you do strength at uh, prime fitness, which is a local yes. facility, local trainers and you, so you get that in that way. Yes. Is that how, you know, we, we both struggle. I know I personally struggle. A lot of our runners struggle with how do we get in the strength training? And I think for you, that's a really great that you're there. You have to get it done. It's a 30 minute session, which is manageable. It's not like you have to go commit to an hour somewhere. Uh, but what do you, how, what other ways do you find you can fit in? What, what other tricks do you have for fitting in strength training? Well, when I can't get to prime fitness and some weeks I can't get there for more than twice a week, um, on a really bad week, once a week. But when I can't get there, what I like to do is I just do on my own exercise snacks. So I always do my planks, um, my pushups, my lunges, squats, and bridges. And those are kind of my go-to. Yeah. But the one thing that I feel is the missing link for me is sometimes I feel like with strength, I'm kind of, even though I know exactly what to do in terms of what are the five best exercises, we just listed some, don't, don't you ever feel like you're sort of throwing darts at a board and deciding what sticks? Random, or you plateau and you don't know yes. what to do to progress. Yes. Yeah, or your body gets used to it, so you, you really do have to change up what you do. And, Correct. Yeah. So um, we're really excited because on our podcast this week, we're going to be talking with the trainers from Prime Fitness, Christine Eric, and they're actually going to use me as a little case study um, where we get to talk with them about what types of things we should be doing as distance runners training for Boston or other marathons and half marathons to not only enhance our running, but to prevent injury. And that's key that it's marathon specific because uh we both know we can do different things when we're, like you said, you focused when you are running shorter distances. When we're running marathons, we have to have a specific focus. It needs to support our training and not fatigue us or not not lead to overtraining. So it has to complement our training and not um, thwart it or not work against it. So I think that's really key. And I think Eric and Christy are really great at helping us figure out what can we do that will help our running form prevent injury but not overdo it. And, uh, and we'll support our, our training for a marathon. Absolutely right. So we're really excited to talk with them and learn more about what everyone can do to be better marathoners. And even for those who aren't training for marathons, if anyone listening tends to be more of a distance runner where you're doing um, 13, 14, 15 milers out for your long runs and you're feeling like you can't fit it all in, this is a great episode for that. So we're really excited to bring them on the show and they'll be up next. So I hope you have a great week, Lisa. You too. All right.
Bye. Bye. Christy and Eric DeRue are the co-founders of Prime Fitness in Gaithersburg, Maryland. They have been trainers for over 21 years. Eric is a master TRX trainer, and Christy is a master trigger point therapy trainer, and they actually teach trainers how to train. Christy and Eric specialize in providing small group training and individualized attention, and are really great at training runners and other endurance athletes for getting stronger without compromising their primary goals. Hi, Christine and Eric. Thank you so much for joining us on the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Thanks, Julie. Thank you for having us. So as we talked about earlier, our focus today and why I wanted to meet with you both is because people like me, distance runners who are training intensely for marathons, tend to struggle with balancing strength training with the high mileage. So it's a sort of a separate category, as you know, from just runners who are training for shorter distances and have a little bit more flexibility sometimes to shorten a run if they're doing a harder strength workout. But um, marathoners, there's not as much flexibility a lot because you kind of have to have high mileage to be able to be a successful marathoner. And that's why I thought it would be great to talk with you guys about that so you can help troubleshoot me as well as so many other Boston marathoners and spring marathoners who may be struggling with strength right now. Great. So, um, first of all, why should distance runners particularly strength train while doing, while doing all of this high mileage? I think one of the key things is injury prevention um, and endurance. What yeah. would you, I feel like you've got something to add. Well, I mean, obviously injury prevention is one, but I mean, I think stability along the, you know, and stability along the, the road. I mean, making sure you're maintaining, um, you know, a, a level of movement activation that allows you to um, finish strong. I mean, run strong. Um, so that you have your endurance, so that you have your, uh, you have the ability to, you know, get through the race all the way through and, and perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. So when you say endurance, do you mean endurance in terms of strength, like, or do you mean endurance in terms of being able to sustain a distance? Sustain a distance. Okay. How explain that a little bit? And I think, well, I think also maintaining the endurance of your form over a period of time. So the stronger your core is, the stronger your back muscles are, the more you're going to be able to maintain that form over 26 miles. Got it. And so I, as yeah. you know, as you as your body starts to fatigue, which it will naturally over running 26 miles, those muscles will kick in because they have that memory and they've been trained to maintain you through that distance. That makes perfect sense. And that's something that I referenced earlier in the podcast. I felt like even though I was struggling a bit at the end of my recent half marathon as a result of, of my upper body strength. I was at least able to maintain my form, mm-hmm. which I think is really important, um, not just for endurance, but connects also with injury prevention. Right. Because when your form starts to dissolve, everything else does too. Well, yeah, then you create some, then you can potentially create some pretty strong, you know, compensatory patterns in your body to make up for where you're not holding your body, you know, in a a strong pattern, in a strong form, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's, we we always tell people fatigue is what usually gets people injured, you know, fatigue is usually what it is. If you don't have the the neurological strength anymore, even the physical strength anymore, your body's just going to break down a little bit. So, yeah. So, my next question, sort of related to this, is 
what do you see as as trainers and your experience when you work with runners? What's the biggest mistake or mistakes, if you have more than one, that you see distance runners make during training? I think there's a couple mistakes. I think one is that they take strength training out of the picture just because whether it's time, because we all know we're busy, we have families, we have jobs, um, and that's the first thing that kind of goes because they need to get their mileage in. I think that um, unfortunately a lot of runners don't work balance and unilateral training. Um, and then probably my third one, sorry, <laughs> it would be um, they don't train in multiple planes. So running is a sagittal plane motion. And so that's typically where runners feel really good and they feel strong and they don't work lateral or transverse plane, which would actually help them go the distance. So that's probably why so many runners struggle when they try other sports like tennis. Um, yes. Where, I mean, you can be, I know for me, um, I can run for miles, but if I go out and play a tennis game, I love tennis, I'm not great at it, but if I have an opportunity to, to play, I'm so much more sore because I'm not working those planes as much. Right, so you're not working laterally, you're not cutting and planting mm -hmm. because distance runners go forward. Right. Right? I mean, that's that's all you do. You don't really go sideways and you don't. <laughs> right. Um, and, and that's also why it's extra important for trail runners. Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. And with, tra I mean, trail running, that's a whole different bag of donuts because mm -hmm. then you've got to work on ankle stability, yeah. knee and hip stability, and all the way up the chain. But that also, all runners should be working on absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's so silly about it is we should all be working on that. Just because I happen to run more on a road doesn't mean that I should have less ankle stability. It's right. just as important because of what you said. Well, I mean, all it takes is one, one funky stride to put you in a bad place. Or you step off a curb or, yeah, you, in a weird way. Or, and, you know, if your body doesn't have the ability to react to it, that's where the injuries happen, so yeah. Good stuff. So we are in week four, those of us training for the Boston Marathon right now, or spring marathons, most of us are in week four or five of our training, which means that we're hitting somewhere between 45 to 75 mile weeks. So I personally, I hit this week um, a little over 60 miles wow. in my training. And so that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. Lot. And <laughs> we also met most runners, of course, none of us, no one I know, are professional runners. But we have the luxury of having other moments in the day to strength train. So the biggest excuse for most people is it, they have good intentions, but it's just a, a, a factor of time. So how do you suggest that distance runners fit in strength training without compromising mileage with those parameters? I think there's a couple things. I think um, if you kind of get around the idea that a workout has to be an hour or two hours, it doesn't have to be. You could get an effective workout in, in 20 to 30 minutes. I think also you could have um, a home workout program so you don't have to leave because I know driving to the gym and then driving home makes it that much longer and all of a sudden it's a two hour time commitment versus having a couple things at home that are really easy and don't take up space that you could do at home. Which we're gonna talk about in a few minutes and have linked in the show notes of yes. the things people can do at home, which yes. is awesome. I think, you know, touching on the, on the, on the making it easy for yourself, um, is a lot of the stuff that we tell runners to do uh, you know, during this period of time is don't focus so much on gaining strength as much as losing strength. 
Um, so you might not be putting your body in overload as much. You might not be lifting things as heavy. Body weight exercises um, for strength training are probably where most people need to be at this point to keep you know uh, movements activated, to keep muscles activated, uh, to keep you know yourself strong. Um, and you don't need to necessarily overload them. So plenty of these things can be done in, in, a, in a homework kind of setting. You know, like Christy was saying, you don't need to leave the house, so it makes it easy for your time. And you know, like you said, we're gonna we're gonna touch on some things. There are some simple pieces of equipment that you can have for home that don't take up a lot of space that make your world a whole lot easier. Okay, so in your perspective, it's not necessarily about getting stronger in terms of building more muscle. It's more about maintaining strength. And if you are weak, getting stronger. But yeah. if you're already strong, maintaining strength. But if you don't have strength, it is about getting stronger. Yeah. Yeah. When I th- oh, go ahead. I was, what I was gonna say is like I think you know when, when you when you look at you have to look at the overall picture, and you and I were talking about this the other day, the overall picture of total body fatigue, right? And so when you're putting on, like you were saying, you know, from 55 to 75 miles a week, that's, that's fatiguing on the body. So you have to find that happy sweet spot of, you know, um, strength exercises that are going to complement that without ruining, or I don't want to say ruining, but without compromising your ability to run well. The um, next day. The next day. Um, so I think one thing that you and I were touching on a little bit was like you know choosing like what days you do strength training on, and you know maybe not maybe based not on what your training program is. Based on what your training I think. program is. Right, like Lisa and I always when we design training programs for our runners, um, our our distance runners, we really try to put the hard keep the hard days hard and the easy days easy. Yeah. So we're not going to have someone do a hard strength workout on an easy day. Rather, we'd rather our runners do hard strength workout after a hard day and overload um, because then you really have an easy day or a rest day. Um, And that's not something that I personally used to do. I used to strength train opposite days that I had a hard track workout or a tempo workout, kind of thinking it would be too much of my body to do it all in the same day. But I found for me having easy days really be easy allows me to recover versus every day having something hard. Yes. Agreed. And I think too, when you look at, we also start to look at the the age factor of things, right? When this becomes another one, because a lot of folks that get into running, marathon running, tend to be, when they get started, a lot of them do get, you know, from a recreational standpoint, get started in their mid to late 30s. And so their bodies, as we all know, our bodies just don't recover the same way as we did when we were in our 20s. So being smart you know, allowing yourself the time to recover and rest is, is critical, I think. And I also think mentally knowing that it's okay that you might not increase your weight while you're marathon training, and it's okay, right? I think we kind of, and this is general population, it's runners, it's any athlete, we want to have it all, and we don't understand why we can't perform on the course and then still hit a PR in the gym. And I think knowing that it's okay to maintain your strength while you're marathon training, but you, you won't hit a PR in the gym. And that's okay. That's a great point. I really like that. There's there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, I think social media is mm. is is great for for athletes and runners. And there's so many great things that we can learn from social media. But um, sometimes there are um, images out there that may give the wrong perception. So, for example, there you see a lot of athletes, professional athletes, runners, strength training, and they're they are um, deadlifting a ton of weight. And then they have a whole paragraph about keeping the hard days hard and the easy days easy, and this is what my coach has me doing, and they are deadlifting 
it looks like a ton. Mm -hmm. But we don't know where they started from. They could have been deadlifting during the off-season 50% more. Right. And maybe that photo that they're showing of them dead, deadlifting that weight is, is a little bit less because they're now in the throes of their training. Right. So back to your point, I think that's a great point is you don't need to PR in your strength training. You just need to be strong enough to support your primary goal, which in this case is your marathon. Right. That, that's something we talk about people all the time is like you, it, if you have specific goals, like if marathon is your goal, right, you have to train for that. That has to be the primary. And you use that great word. It's a primary goal. Everything else kind of comes along secondary for it. You're not gonna you're not gonna train for fat loss, you know, in in, a, in marathon training. You're not gonna train for a PR strength training in marathon training. So it's just kind of wrapping your head around not having it all and just focusing on the one thing. It's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And that kind of goes into my next question, which is how. Before I was asking, how can we fit in strength training to not compromise the mileage? But there's another element to it, which is how do we do our strength training? sufficiently to support our running without compromising our speed and our power. Because if you're doing deadlifts, for example, or bridges with some weight and you're not used to that, and you, you go into your next workout with really sore glutes as a result, how do we do that so that we can continue to support strength in running, but without getting out on the track and not being able to perform as well because you're introducing some strength training um, at this point as well? Well, I think a big part of it is also knowing where you are and making sure that your strength training program is going to only complement your running program. So just like we were talking with you when you first got here today is that maybe instead of taking boot camp, which is you know a large group training, we need to make something more specific for you knowing what your goals are. So maybe it's not taking your favorite group exercise class or your favorite body pump class um, because that's not going to complement your goal. So if I know that you are training tomorrow a high mileage run or you're doing a tempo run, I'm not gonna focus the day before with your strength training program on trying to kill your glutes. Right, because that's not right. going to benefit you. But if you were to take a group training class, you have no control over what the instructor is telling you to do or what your coach is telling you to do. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I think the only thing that I would say to this is I think we'd be we'd be very amiss if we did not also say that part of your strength training tra strength training <laughs> actually needs to include some mobility work um, because you you don't get stronger unless you're mobile in the right spots. In the right areas so yeah, it, it's a fine line right so I think it's a fine line of creating um, you know really solid movement patterns um, and making sure that we are creating activation you know through the, the different planes of motion that we want but in that you know making sure that we're staying mobile enough so that we don't compromise the runs so that we don't um, we don't overload so much uh, that uh, we, we feel super sore because sometimes if you're if you're not mobile enough, that can lead to, you know, feeling really tight, really sore the next day, or any could compromise the, the integrity of your run. So for those listening that may not know what you mean by mobility, can you give some examples? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think traditionally people think of like static stretching, you know, mm -hmm. and they think of like, I gotta stretch my quads, I gotta stretch my hamstring, calves, yada, yada, but we, you know, are firm believers in, you know, using tools like foam rollers, using tools like, you know, trigger point balls, et cetera, um, and having those kind of, you know, incorporated uh, in your in your strength programs to allow you some home style soft tissue work to uh, create better mobility. Yeah, I mean, foam rolling is a necessary evil with any 
any training program, anything. However, I do love the idea of kind of thinking about mobility work or foam rolling as something in conjunction with strength strength training. So you're not thinking of it as a third component. Right. I've got a foam roll, I've got a strength train, I've yeah. got a run. If when you incorporate foam rolling into your strength program, then it's kind of thought of as all one thing. Yep. And it's not as overwhelming because you're right. It is so important to work those muscles out before you proceed to your next run. Yeah. Or you, you will have more soreness oh, yeah. and stiffness as And I, I also think adding a dynamic warm up into before your run. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's going to only help runners. And I know that's something now that I'm over 40, I had to learn the hard way is that I couldn't just go and start running. I have to do a dynamic warm up because I have to get the muscles firing. I have to loosen up my joints and all of that. And what do you do for your dynamic warm up before you run? So I do some hamstring specific bridges. Mm -hmm. um, I do some lateral band walking. Now um, I actually do a focus step up with very lightweight with 10 pounds, but it's very focused to try to open up my hips a little bit. Um, and then I usually do some type of core exercise. So some type of planking or a, a, a rotational plank into a side plank. So for a runner who's really busy, every runner needs to warm up, mm -hmm. especially in the winter. We're always encouraging mm -hmm. our runners to do dynamic stretching. And if you don't have time for that, we'll even just say, take your mile, first mile extra, extra slow. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea, especially because we're in the dead of winter, put your running clothes on and before you step outside, do your planks, mm -hmm. do your bridges, which would be ideally part of your strength per training program anyway. Right. And, and cut that out. Mm -hmm. Do that before your run. Before your run. And then all you have left is, is the other exercises. That's right. a great way to sort of split it up too and multitask by using those strength training exercises as your as your warm up. Warm -up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so we talked about boot camp, and I just want to go back to something. You had mentioned that um, you think I need to sort of switch it out a little bit because I've been doing half-hour boot camps with TRX. But I, I just want to comment that you guys are really great, though, in the sense that when I have when there's a boot camp coming that you feel doesn't work with my running, you will call me or text me and let me know. Mm -hmm. So I, I have personally felt that the TRX and upper body and lower body work that I've been getting through your boot camps has been great for my running. But I've kind of reached a little bit of a plateau mm -hmm. and I really want to stay with my strength training. I love coming here and I love the half hour quick workout. And frankly, I like the motivation of being around other people while working out. So you had suggested um, a little bit of a change for me during the rest of my Boston training and you were kind enough to do this podcast so we could talk about it on here and that way I could share the workouts you recommend for me for all of our Boston friends. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, so um, tell me what your thoughts are. I think that I personally want you to focus on strength training. So a lot of our boot camp programs are more about conditioning. And right now you don't need that type of a workout. You're getting conditioning in your runs. So I wanted to focus a little bit more on slow and controlled movement patterns with you um, and maintaining your strength. So yes, you are going to probably plateau, I think, with your strength training right now leading up to Boston. But that way, when Boston is over and you have more time to strength train, you haven't lost anything you're only going to gain. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's spot on. I mean, you know, it, when it comes to exercise selection, you know, I think we are big fans of making sure that there's a 
significant amount of unilateral work. And unilateral, you know, if anybody mm -hmm. doesn't know, I mean, it's just one-sided. Uh, you know, you run, because running is one-sided. You know, you're running stride after stride. Um, so uh, we're big fans of making sure that we incorporate a, a fair amount of uh, unilateral work uh, into exercise selection. But I'd also want to work on a little bit of reactive training with you too because every time your foot hits the ground, you have reactive forces that go up the chain. So you need to train that way too in the gym. Great, so let's get to it. What exercises do you recommend? So we have a list really? here. Okay. So we were- And uh, we're, we're gonna demo these and link link it in the note show notes. So we're talking about it, but we'll have- Absolutely. Link, links to this as well, so-, so Do you okay. wanna go through the, the strength? Yeah. So the, the big ones first, like so some of the big ones, I mean, obviously, Bridging is a, a critical component for, I think, everybody out there. Um, but I think when you guys see us do the demos, we're gonna be really, really specific on how you bridge um, so that you're not you know, uh, arching your back as you really think about putting your mind into your motion. Um, so bridging with two legs and single leg. And if you have the ability to have a band for your bridge, even better. And we can show two different types of bridge, one that focuses more on glutes and one that focuses a little bit more on hamstring. Yeah. Yeah, um, the one that focuses on glutes, Lisa and I always tell our runners, pretend you're squeezing a dollar bill. That's right. Mm -hmm. Between your cheeks. <laughs> um, but maybe we should say at 20 just to make it more compelling. That's right. And that is, that's going to cause the bridge to focus on your glutes more. Yeah. Um, whereas hamstrings, you're focusing, obviously, when you're bridging, you think more, it's neuromuscular. Mm -hmm. You think more about your hamstrings. You think, well, you think a and lot we, about your feet. You think a lot about your feet, like foot placement, bridge, foot placement, and you're trying to pull your feet towards you, even though they're not going to move. And your, your glutes will still fire in the hamstring bridge. But the idea is that we get um, a hamstring and then a glute Love it. versus glute then hamstring. Yeah, okay. And how many sets do you recommend for runners generally for a strength training program as we go through these exercises? Probably about three. Yeah, I think three. I mean, three is good. Three sets of 12, 15, or three sets to failure? To form failure. To form, yeah. failure. form failure. Like between 10 and 18 is what I would say. Okay. But then sometimes with something like a bridge, you might go a little higher rep. Yeah. Okay. So it might be more of like a 20 to 25. So the glutes are a big muscle group, so a lot of times they need more reps to really get the work. Okay. So for bridges, we can say three sets of 15 to 20. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. So what's, what's next on your list for me? Well, Starting to get scared. <laughs> reverse lunges. Okay. Um, I think or because they're, when, you, when you go reverse lunge versus a forward lunge, it's much more of a glute load. Uh, when you take a forward lunge position, you're going to get much more of a quad load into it. Um, so since we're really trying to work on some posterior chain and getting your, your glutes to kind of keep you strong and powerful through your run, um, reverse lunging is the way to go. Um, and that's one of those ones, you know, we like to see, um, you know, same thing, right around the, the three sets of anywhere between 10 and 15 repetitions. Weight or no weight? I think it depends on where you are currently. Like, you know, if, if you've been strength training for a little while, you have been, you know. I would do weight. I would do weight, but I just wouldn't, I wouldn't try and up your weight. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been using a 20 pound dumbbell on a leg or on a hand, stick with it. Don't go down from there. Uh, but I don't know that I'd necessarily try and go up by a great amount. And what we can also change is if you've been holding the weight down by your side is changing it more to like a rack position where you're holding it in front of you. So it's the same weight, but it changes how your body absorbs the load. Mm -hmm. So it could make it harder without increasing weight. Oh, I like that. It may be easier to hold it down at your side versus holding it in the middle where you have to use a little bit more of your core right. to balance. Right. Okay. Yep. So we've got now bridges, reverse lunges. Yep. 
Um, I think from a, from another lower body standpoint, we had talked about kettlebell deadlifting and uh, single leg kettlebell deadlifting and kettlebell swings. Um, you know, single leg kettlebell deadlifting really helps from another again unilateral standpoint of hip strength, hip stability, and hamstring strength. And then when you go into the kettlebell swing, that's power development. And I I talked to a lot of runners, you know, who really found that kettlebell swings have really helped them get feel more powerful in their runs, like they can sustain a, a run with a faster pace longer. I love kettlebells. I think they're great for runners, as long as you're doing them correctly. Correct. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mistakes that can be made with kettlebells, and if done incorrectly, they can be they can be kind of dangerous um, for the back. Yep. So um, I think it's really important for anyone listening who wants to try a kettlebell to make sure you do it in a place that you can have someone kind of take a look at you before you venture into doing a bunch of swings or just um, be very mindful of your form. And don't go to YouTube. No. Yeah, don't go to YouTube. <laughs> don't find your information there. I think, I think too, with a kettlebell swing, and one of the things we always break people down with here is like, so if they're brand new to a kettlebell swing and then they haven't, they haven't done a two-leg deadlift yet with a kettlebell, they start there. And then we, we move them up to one swing at a time. You know, we call it a touch and go, where they, they get one swing up, they put it back down on the ground, one swing up, put it back down on the ground. And so we kind of scale it up as they go along. But, you know, you can think of it, the way a kettlebell swing is, it's really just a dynamic ballistic deadlift. And so if you can't deadlift really well, you shouldn't add speed or velocity to the movement yet. Great point. And, and contrary to what uh, people may think, kettlebells are not an upper body workout as Ooh. much as a, they are a lower body workout. Yeah. And it looks like when you look at a kettlebell swing, you're working your arms, yeah. but you're not. You're it's, not. it's all lower body, and I think if done effectively, you'll, you'll know that right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. <you> will. <laughs> okay, so what's next? So we've so, got now bridges, reverse lunges, kettlebells. I think that's a, that was pretty much what we thought okay. was a good one for lower Great. body. And okay. then I think moving into the upper body. The only thing I would add, oh. and I'm sorry, it would probably be, and I would do it in the warm-up, would be some like lateral lunges, oh, transverse wow. lunges, um, just to work that other plane. Yep, agreed. Okay. Um, the, so then we talked about upper body. You and I were talking the other day, you know, and we talked about the pulling mechanics of the body. So like, um, what's the phrase that you used for, you said? Uh, oh, okay. So <laughs> when we talk about form with our runners, um, arm swing is a big thing with us because if you have an incorrect arm swing, it can, it can lead to other injuries. That's right. Um, so we talk about having a drum on either side of your body and you're banging the drum. Banging the drum. That's right. Yeah. So it's funny because in sprinters we say, you know, we say smack your face and drive your elbow behind you is what we say. So We're less violent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so in order to get that kind of like, and you guys should see me right now, I'm kind of giving a running motion here with the podcast. Yeah. Um, but if you can, pulling, right, the, el- the, the concept of pulling your elbow behind you while you run uh, is really important so you maintain a, a good, strong, you know, uh, gait and pattern and, you know, tempo. Uh, so we talk a lot about rowing, like the rowing mechanics, strength training uh, exercises that involve rowing are really important. And um, so, um, just to interrupt for a second, rowing we always um, mention cross training, the importance of cross training. Rowing as an aerobic exercise is great cross training. Yep, absolutely. Runners, um, because it, it does involve those mechanics, um, but it also provides the cardiovascular benefits. Okay, yep. Go, go ahead. So our absolute favorite row exercise for strength training is the TRX row um, for a, a bunch of reasons. One, you can really hammer proper mechanics of the shoulder complex, which is important. Um, two, you're in, if you're if done correctly, in the TRX, you're in a plank, 
right? So you're learning how to engage yourself in the plank position so that your body is learning how to hold rigidity so that your, por your torso and your posture is strong. Um, right, because with all TRX exercises, and the TRX um, you can see from the show notes, there are the yellow straps that you yep. often see at a gym. Um, for those who aren't familiar, you use the handles, and you can do all kinds of cool things with them. They're great for runners. Um, they require, though, for them to be done properly. Your body has to be in a plank position, whether it's standing, leaning, any direction. Yep. It has to be in a plank position. Yeah, we always say it's a moving plank. It's a moving plank, yeah, absolutely. So, but if that's not an option for you, any kind of rowing exercise is good. If you have bands, anything that's gonna force you to move your shoulder girdle you know, behind you is, is, an, is a solid option. Which also helps with posture with yeah, runners big time. as Which well. Helps, as you mentioned earlier with form. When right. you're getting toward the end of a race and your shoulders start to sag, ideally this will help prevent that. And that also helps with your breathing patterns too. So if you can keep your shoulders back and not be all you know collapsed, it helps with your diaphragm opening. So. Yeah, um, I think if we had to think of uh, other ones that were really uh, that are, are good for runners um, uh, that can be done at home or anywhere, it's called the cobra position or the rocket man position, where you are laying face down on the ground, and you're really just focused on lifting your upper torso from the bottom of your rib, rib cage up, so kind of peeling off the floor. Again, another postural exercise, but it really helps to work on what's called thoracic extension uh, in, your, in your torso. Again, because that's one of the ones that'll go for runners is we'll get into like this big thoracic flexion as we start to Which run. is the same people, same position people have when they use their phones. Yep. Yeah, or that or hunched over. over. Yep. It's all hunched over. And, and that's how we are now anyway with technology. Yeah. So we really need to try to negate that. Yep, we do. And so those become a really good one too. And I think a lot of people focus so much on the pushing and the, the muscles that they can see in front, but it's really the muscles in the back that really need a lot of work. There's a really good strength coach that we follow, and a couple of years ago he came up with this thing and said that most people training nowadays should be pulling versus pushing somewhere around the range of two to three to one. Huh. Um, because of how much, because we've evolved as a, as a society, as a, as a species, because we're kind of all rounded here because of technology and things. So to get us stronger and better, we should be pulling way more than we are pushing. So a pull-up. So pull-ups, vertical pulls are fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. They're a great option. But that being said, pull-ups can be really challenging. But there's plenty of ways to do what's called an assisted pull-up. Plenty of ways to do an assisted Even pull -up. using the TRX. Even using the TRX. Resistance bands. Yep. Or the gym, even those assisted pull-up machines. Mm -hmm. are those? those are awesome. Okay. I mean, again, you, anybody, like anything else, you can screw it up. Mm -hmm. But um, they are a great option because they're going to help you unload the movement a little bit so you can get the mechanics down of a vertical pull-up position. And I would recommend a pull-up over a chin-up. Yeah. I was just going to ask, with positioning, which way do you want the hands for a pull-up? Um, out and in, in in, in hands facing forward or reverse? I, again, it, it's going to depend on the person. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person's yeah. shoulders. It depends on are they engaging their lats as they actually pull. Um, with a chin-up position, so your hands are facing you and it's a narrower grip, you're getting a lot more bicep yeah. than you are lats. Okay, so for someone like me, you would probably prefer Absolutely. forward, mm -hmm. working the lats, mm -hmm. and, and working on keeping the shoulders down and not using the shoulders, but rather using the... Pulling from lats, under your armpits. From your armpits. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are big muscles. We want to get those. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, last but not least, but e even though we just said that they're not as important, but push-ups, right? Yeah. Push-ups are a great choice of an exercise because 
you do, again, push-ups are done correctly, um, you do incorporate a lot of lat engagement, a lot of upper back engagement when you do them. And again, it's a moving plank, right? So you want to think of a moving plank exercise, which is going to only benefit you, you know, uh, down the road as you're going through, you know, your, your runs. Um, and the one thing we always teach people is we, we never go to push-ups on our knees. Right? We never go to push-ups on our knees because that doesn't emphasize the plank. It doesn't help reinforce the plank. We'd rather have you, instead of if you can't do a push-up on the ground, find a way to elevate yourself a little bit. And some of the things, some of the homework we always give people here when they're learning push-ups is go to your kitchen sink and get yourself in a plank on your kitchen sink on the counter and start doing push-ups there. So you start to ingrain a good movement pattern. And then as you get stronger, get yourself closer to the floor. Love that. Yeah. Um, are there any strength training exercises that are relatively common that a distance runner should not do? I think, I mean, if you're going to a typical gym, I would avoid like the leg extension machine, um, the ad and adductor <laughs> or ab and adductor machines. Um, but I think people use those because they're easy and they feel the burn and they think they're doing something. Um, but I think for runners, they need to be doing a little bit more integrated strength training. Yeah, think about it. and think about foot. Like think about your, your foot's on the ground when you're running, so as much of your work can, should be done on your feet. So I think that's the way. But I mean, I don't think there's anything that that really comes to mind that they, you know, should avoid. I think any exercise would be would be good, just as long as it's done properly. I think that's the biggest thing, as long as you're in good movement patterns and good motion. Okay. So my last question is, um, let's say I, a listener is listening is saying this is great. Eric and Christy, but I, I honestly I'm overwhelmed by all these exercises you just provided, which I, I personally think that everything you just mentioned can be done in 25 minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but let's say there's someone who really doesn't feel that they have that, but they want to do something. Do you have a couple of quick exercises at home or at work that are multifunctional, easy to do that you would recommend? I mean... For me, my, my brain immediately goes to, if, if, if you have no time for anything else, bridging and lunging. Okay. I mean, if you've got no time for anything else. And I was going to say, if you have access to a TRX, you could always do a couple combo moves. Yep. So like a squat into a row. Oh, yeah. So then you're getting a lower body and an upper body. So you're kind of getting, you know, two birds with one stone or an atomic push-up. So that's a push-up into a crunch. So then you're working, you know, yeah. you've got the push and then the pull. Um, we, we talk all the time about the TRX is like a runner's gift, man. That, that thing, was, when that thing came out, uh, it was, you know. It, it travels. It, it travels. It's easy. It's portable. It's easy to hang. It, it hangs up on almost anything that's a stable surface. And it really allows runners to um, have access to solid strength training, you know, on the fly. Great. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think the best thing about TRX for me is that it's, it's gentle. Mm. They're hard. I mean, you have to work really hard to maintain that plank while doing the exercises, but you're not tearing up your body. Yeah. Well, you can scale it. You can scale it. And, and that's what, when they first came out with TRX, they always talked about it. Superman could do it or Homer Simpson could do it. I love that. Right? And so it really is versatile. It is very versatile. Love that. Well, you guys have been so helpful, and uh, we're going to link these exercises in the show notes with demos. But... Can you tell our listeners where to find you? We are at Prime Fitness in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, you can find us, uh, our webpage is uh, www.primefitnessmd, as in Maryland.com. 
we're on Facebook, Prime Fitness MD. We're on Instagram, Prime Fitness MD. Um, you can find Christy and I both on Facebook. We're there. Uh, we try to do a lot of stuff on social media to keep people up to date with cool stuff. Um, yeah. Um, phone number is 301-926-3998. That's where you find us. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks Julie. So Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. We are so excited to welcome to the podcast Mike Wolf. Mike is a local runner who was posted um, with Meb Kifleski on social media last week. We saw a post where Meb, Meb talked about how he had met a really nice guy named Mike Wolf while he was doing a casual run in San Diego. We dug a little deeper and we quickly realized that Mike is the husband of our friend Lisa Wolf. So Mike has been kind enough to meet with us today, and we are so excited to welcome you. Welcome, Mike, to the podcast. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Thanks, Mike. So tell us first of all, first of all, you're a you're a, a pretty accomplished runner yourself. You've run several marathons, half marathons, and um, tell us a little bit about your running background. Sure. So I've been running for a while, not not so much currently as I have in the past, but um, you know, ran my fast first marathon back uh, you know 18 or so years ago. Uh, with the Montgomery County Roadrunners Club, started with their um, beginners running, uh, beginnings, beginning runners marathon training program, ran Marine Corps two years in a row, took a few years off, ran Richmond, and uh, throughout that period, and then subsequently have run lots of shorter races, lots of half marathons, 10Ks. More recently, I've been into cycling more than running, so have been doing duathlons and some sprint triathlons, but uh, not training currently for anything uh, intensively, but staying in shape. Uh, yeah. I just realized our, our Marine Corps, our first marathon, both of our first marathons were the same Marine Corps Marathon 2000. Oh, great. So okay. we were there at the same time. Very cool. So tell us, what were you doing in San Diego, first of all? Okay, <laughs> so I had a business trip out there, uh, had client meetings as well as uh, company meetings. And since I had never been to San Diego before, I decided to go out a few days early to explore the city uh, and enjoy the sights. I've always heard San Diego is a wonderful place, so I wanted to experience it for myself. Yeah, so you decided to go for a run. So you're, you're, you're not training for anything right not now, training, specifically, yeah. but still exactly. enjoy running. And what a nice place. It's great to explore a city. Exactly. Running. Well, the forecast was going to be in the 50s and 60s oh. as compared <laughs> to the uh, deep freeze that was going on here. And, and had you researched ahead of time where you could run, like running routes? Absolutely. So like a lot of runners, when I go out of town, I like to bring my, my gear and, and plan some runs, you know, whether it's in... Uh, you know, Philadelphia doing the traditional, uh, you know, run up the Just Art Museum steps river, yeah. and uh, Pittsburgh down to the Three river, Rivers area and in New York City, uh, you know, I've, I've run through Central Park uh, when I've been up there. So it's going to San Diego. I said, well, you know, there's going to be some great running uh, locations there. So I, I had found some uh, beach areas, some state parks, and then, of course, Balboa Park, which is San Diego's big uh, urban park, you know, similar to Central Park. And I said, well, these are all options, and, and so the first morning I was there, I did run by down at uh, Mission Beach. You know, it was an okay run. I was out there early just as the sun was coming up, and it was a little too early for, for the locals, I think, so I was out there kind of, kind of alone, but that was fine. Uh, and then the next day, I said, you know, Balboa Park looks pretty good. So it was only a few, few miles from the hotel, and I uh, drove out there uh, once it got light, and, and um, so when you drove, run there. Sorry, when you drove out there, did you know you're are you a, I assume you're a Meb fan? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> did you did you know that Meb lived 
Iran and Balboa Park? Absolutely not. Okay. I had no right. inkling. There was nothing. <laughs> I had no ulterior motive. I was not a stalker. I do. <laughs> I, I do love Meb, uh, as most people do, who, who are runners, and I've always admired him and watched all his races on TV. So, but that had not crossed my mind. Hadn't thought about it at all when I when I was going to the park. Okay, so you're driving to Balboa Park where you're deciding to run, and before we talk about your encounter with Meb specifically, I feel like we need to say who Meb is for those listeners of our podcast that may not know. So Meb is a four-time Olympian. He has won the New York City Marathon and most recently the Boston Marathon in 2014. Um, outstanding runner, but more importantly, an outstanding person. So that's Meb. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. And, and of course, I've watched all his races uh, when they're covered on TV and his interviews. And he's just known, obviously, as an all, a great all-around mm-hmm. person, very humble person. So driving to Balboa Park, you know, I've got my, you know, Google Maps, finding my way. And I, as I said, I had done some research as to where to run in the park. And there was a route that sounded reasonable. And it said, you know, follow the, the orange diamonds or whatever it was. Uh, for this run. So I'm driving into the park and I'm like, are there any, you know, running maps posted, you know, showing the routes. I'm relatively old school when it comes to running. I don't have a Garmin. I don't have any other GPS. I I didn't pre-select any map my run routes or anything like that. So I just knew if I could find the start of this, this running route, I'd be fine. So literally I'm driving into the park at the corner of the park and I'm slowing down, figuring out, I don't see any signs, where should I park, I need to get organized. And I see someone running at a very good clip beside the road. And obviously not a weekend warrior, not a jogger, a runner. Um, so I, I did kind of a double take. I'm like, that looks like someone I know or should know. <laughs> and I slowed the car down and he was actually heading to cross the road at that point. So I let him cross in front of me and then he was running parallel to me again on the other side of the road. I Look, said, wait, I have to ask you, how, how fast were you driving? Yeah, that's what I asked. Well, I, like I said, I was looking for ten miles an a, hour. a place to park and, and, and get my bearings, so it was fairly slow. Okay. I was, and, and there was no traffic, it was early mm-hmm. in the morning, uh, so there was, you know, I was just barely moving, it was okay. probably 10, 15 miles an hour. And uh, so anyway, as this runner was coming up on the other side, I said, I, I think that is Meb. I mean, I just recognized him right away. So I, I pulled over and rolled my window down, and he came up and, and looked in the, in the window. And at that point, I, I started to back off, like, maybe that isn't Meb. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. I don't want to come across as some, some creep. So um, instead of saying Meb or are you Meb, I said, you look just like Meb. And he said, I am Meb. Did and your heart just It did, <laughs> it did. And immediately, you know, my voice went up an octave. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Flustered and I did, uh, I did. Like a, so I, don't crash I your said, car. I said, uh, stop right there. And I parked the car and I jumped out and I went out. And I'm like, Meb, you are my hero. I love everything about you. And he's like, are you here for a run? I, you know, I had my running hat on and I obviously looked, looked like I was there for a run. I said, I'm here for a run. He said, I've got to take my wife to a doctor. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to run down and I'll come back and I will run with you. And I said, Meb, I don't think I can keep up with you. I appreciate that. He's like, no, seriously, get out, warm up, and I'll come up and get you. So uh, I immediately parked the car and immediately called my wife, Lisa, and she didn't pick up. So I tried her on another line. She didn't pick up. So I texted her. I said, you are not going to believe this, but this is 100% true. 
I am about to run with men. <laughs> okay, I love that part of the story that you, you're this flustered and you still took the time to call Lisa. That is the sweetest thing. Well, I, I had to share, share with somebody, somebody who appreciated exactly. it, right? I love that. And of course, later she told me that as soon as she got that, she went running around her office trying to find someone to tell. And she's like, Michael's in San Diego. He's going to run with Meb. And people are like, who's Meb? Meb? We don't you know don't who you're run, talking about. I guess we don't know. <laughs> she, went, not know she went up to other people in her, oh, looking for people who she thought would know, and they weren't in the office. So she was like, oh, my God, I can't tell anybody. So... Uh, That's actually really funny. <laughs> so I did, I parked the car, I started warming up, and then I'm thinking, he's not going to come back. He probably just said that to, you know, get rid of me. Or he's going to come back and not have time, or he's not going to recognize me, whatever the case. So I was waiting, I was kind of jogging around, and there he came running back, and I gave a little wave, and he came right over to me, shook my hand, said, come run with me. Oh. So we started running. You know, nothing fast, obviously. He said, what's your name? Where are you from? What are you here for? You know, so I explained the situation. And so I asked him, do, do you live here in San Diego? Yes, I live here. I asked him if he ran in the park a lot. He said he grew up in San Diego. His school was right beside the park. They used to train there for cross country all the time. So he's running through all the time. So I'm like, you know, not even know what to, knowing what to say because it's just such a unbelievable experience. We ran just for about five minutes. There was another runner going by. He said, hey, would you mind taking our picture? So he, uh, I handed my camera to her. She took a picture of us, which is the picture that's posted uh, on Meb's uh, uh, site as well as on some other folks on, on Facebook. And then um, we ran a little bit farther, and he took my camera and took a selfie of us as <laughs> we were running. <laughs> we want to see that. <laughs> Which I will, I will share with you okay. also. And uh, then we got to the end. He's like, I'd love to run with you more, but I've really got to take my wife to the doctor. What a and great I guy. said, listen, these five minutes have been fantastic. I really appreciate did it. Did you finish your run after? Did you still continue well, running? I did. You, you know, must have I, been on like a I, adrenaline high. Exactly. Right? So, you know, he gave me a big hug. We, oh. we shook hands again and he took off. And I told him again, I said, listen, Neb, I love everything about you. You're really my hero. You know, I admire you so much and I really appreciate this time. Have a great day. And he took off and I took off. Okay, so, let's backtrack for a okay, second. Okay, sure, go so ahead. So during the five minutes, uh -huh. what did you talk about? You know, it's a little bit hazy, but it was more just kind of that casual conversation. We didn't talk about running strategies or races we had done. I, I did, you know, in addition to the general things we talked about, I asked him if he was training for anything or what, no, what his next race was. What did he say? He said he was on his way to Florida because he was being inducted into the Runner's Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. And then he was going to be doing, there's a half down there. I can't remember if he said Tallahassee or Jacksonville, okay. but one of the, he was, he was training. And then he was going to do that half. And I said, that's great. I think he asked me if I was training for anything. I said, not, not at the present time. And, and that was it. You know, the rest of it was just kind of that. Runner chat. The runner, runner chat, chat when you yeah, meet somebody exactly. running. Just not, another not runner, like, just runner exactly. to runner. Exactly. It was How as wonderful. if I was running on the Rock Creek Trail with, right. with the running group, you know. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, and you'll see in the picture, you know, uh, he's my height, which no one can see. I'm not tall. <laughs> I'm 5'6". He must be about the same height, about the same build. I mean, you guys in this picture, we're going to link it in the show notes, but uh -huh. it's so adorable. You really, you both are the same exact <laughs> you are. size. And, and would you indulge me? I'd, I'd like to read what he wrote. Okay, because sure. Because I ahead. think what's really special about all of this is that 
you didn't post it. Meb did. Yeah, he, I didn't post Mike it. Mike isn't even on because Facebook. Because I'm not even on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, I'm one of the 10 people in the country who is not on Facebook. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It wasn't the, the starstruck runner fan who met him. It was right. the fan, the star himself yeah, who posted yeah. it. And that just speaks to the type of person that he is, I think. So you guys parted ways. You kept running. Yes. You probably don't remember where you ran or what you were. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about that. Yeah, I did. I continued to run. Were you running park. at a faster pace than you typically I, absolutely. do? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would think now, I would be on an adrenaline. I had high. my. I don't normally run with my phone, but obviously had mm -hmm. my phone, and um, my adrenaline was really, really the level was really high. So I immediately then texted Lisa again, or I can't remember if I texted or called her. I said your wife, my, my mm -hmm. wife, and and told her you know I was done and this is what happened, and so. We were having a text conversation, but I would run and I would feel my phone buzz and I would stop and you know, <laughs> text back. And I was stopping to take pictures too. But, you know, it wasn't a training run; it was a, it was a fun run. So I was taking pictures throughout Balboa Park. Uh, but we had this this ongoing conversation about this whole whole incident. But yeah, so I I probably you know finished a run of I don't know four or five miles. And Balboa Park is a wonderful place to run if you haven't run there before. I would highly recommend it. Good to Beautiful hear. sites. Business trip, Lisa? Business trip. Sounds like, <laughs> it, uh, sounds like a business trip. But also I love that you do that, that you went out a few days early, that you explore. And I know Julie and I both like to do that when we're yeah. going to new places. We like to look in advance what, what's a neat, you know, what might be a neat place to explore. Yeah. And that's the best way to explore new Absolutely. cities on foot. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting to me, you had mentioned that uh, when you went out early, it was really empty and desolate. And you had said there weren't that many people running at Balboa Park, which, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning, yeah. you'd think would be relatively populated, but I guess maybe they're on a different time. Yeah, maybe people I, are there super early or, or later you know, in the day. I don't know, like I, like I said, you know, when I ran at the beach, it was it was dawn, and usually that would be, a po I would think, yeah. a popular run. That was, it was pretty chilly for San Diego. There were people wearing winter coats and hats. They're and all I, indoors on the I was, I, I was wearing, you know, my typical, you know, shorts, right. shorts and, a, and a running shirt, so I wasn't that cold, but as I was finishing up the day before at the beach, and it was starting to warm up, more and more runners were coming okay. out. And later that day, I saw a lot of bikers because I was I was driving up the coastal highway uh, north of San Diego, and then I saw a lot of bikers, which was making me extremely jealous. Right. Um, but there really weren't run. At, I mean, I don't think at Balboa Park in the maybe 45 minutes I was there to an hour, I saw more than 10 runners, which really surprised. That me. is surprising in a place like you know yeah. something as iconic yeah. or well known. Balboa yeah. Park. So, so what are your? I, I know you're not training for anything, but any goals going forward? Well, um, you know, I, I had been, I haven't been swimming for a while, so I think triathlons are, are off the table for, for a while. Although, obviously, I could, I could get back in the pool. I like cycling a lot now. So last year, I did a number of metric centuries and other rides, and uh, you know, so I'm spinning indoors. But um, you know, I always have that thought: should I, should I do another marathon? It's been a number of years since I did a marathon. Like everyone. The dream would be to uh, qualify for Boston, and when I ran my last marathon, I was still, you know, you know, ten, twelve minutes off. Which, but you're older it, now, it, and I'm older just, now. We just talked about this yeah. that the qualifying window will open in September for Boston 2021. I believe if that's if I'm calculating correctly, and then you'll be you'll you'll well, we won't disclose your age, well, but you'll yeah. move up an age group I'll, and you'll gain some extra time. <laughs> so I would encourage you. I think you know your encounter with Meb maybe was a. I think I don't believe a, that there are any coincidences. Right, uh, exactly. I think, yeah, right. it was a sign. Things happen for a reason, Absolutely. possibly. So yeah, I think I think this. This Mev encounter was a sign that maybe it's time for you to it, it, try it that be. Boston, and or at least motivate you to give you that inspiration. And I could always use, you know, keep Meb in the back of my mind. I think that yeah. would, that would definitely keep me going. 
So when did you find out that Nev had posted his encounter about you on social media? Well, so as I said, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. Um, Lisa is, my wife. And she said, do you mind if I post this? And mm -hmm. I said, no, go ahead, that's fine. And she also posted it on my company uh, has a, a, a private, or I guess they call it private, a restricted um, group, Facebook, Facebook page. Group, yeah. um, and she posted it there, which as an interesting aside, people, because I was out there for company meetings and people saw that and several people said, yeah, I had no idea who Meb was. And <laughs> I, had, I, I Googled him, of course. And so they thought that, they said, that sounded like a, a great, um, uh, great thing that you, that you did, but no one really knew who Meb was, which <laughs> shocked me. But obviously, if you're not a runner, it's not something that you're going to know. But so Lisa posted it, and one of her friends saw it, and then I don't know how the, the link to Meb's, I guess someone saw it on Meb's website. And we, then yeah, we had posted it, and then Lisa follows our exactly. page, and had mentioned So that one thing led to another, and then Lisa said, Meb posted about you, so she sent me the link so I could look at it, and I was like, that's how you, unbelievable. How did you feel when you saw what he posted? I mean, it, it's pretty cool. I, you know, it really touched me because yeah. he, he could have, well, he, he didn't have to post, obviously, or if he posted, he just said, here's a runner I ran into in the park. But as you said, he said something really nice in that post that, that Would you, you know, it's kind of touching. Go, go ahead, I read sure. it? Okay, so here's the post. Yesterday, this is from Meb. Yesterday I was crossing the street on a run when a driver slowed down and kindly allowed me extra space to cross. I gave him a thumbs up to say thanks. Actually, I reached over my head and gave him two thumbs just to make sure he saw my gratitude. Then the car pulled over to the side of the road. I thought the person was looking for directions, so I stopped to assist. The driver rolled the window down. You look like Meb. I am Meb, I was happy to reply. Wow, you're my hero, he said. Thanks, I replied. I'm in a little rush for an appointment. He says back to me, I'm here to run, but not at your pace. I said, park your car and run counterclockwise. We will meet on the other side and run together a little. Well, he did, and we ran for a bit. Got to know him. His name is Mike Wolf. He's from DC, and he's visiting San Diego on a business trip. Great guy. It never hurts to be kind to others. You just might make a friend. This is why I love running outdoors and being around other runners. Our community supports one another. And then he posted a lovely picture of the two of you with one thumb up. Even reading this gives me the chills right now. It, it, when you think about it, for him to say things like that is really wonderful. There's a couple things. One, he's a world-class runner, and he thinks I'm pulling over for directions. And he stops. You know, most people... Right, how many of us want to get our workout done? We're yeah. afraid of somebody's rolling... Exactly. You know, we, we think they're going to accost us or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to usually avoid that. one thing that's just amazing. And the other to immediately offer to run with me, who he doesn't know from Adam, is just another incredible thing. And then to pose that is, is you know, so three things about him that... that no. I think it speaks to the running community in general. What so. we love so much about running that it's yeah. connected people and that, you know, how many sports do you have where you can go and participate in the competition with the elite athletes? Absolutely. We don't have that in football or, you know, nothing like that. We right. we can go and we can toe the line with those elite athletes and to see um, see that they're they appreciate that 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 about running is really it's it, and it speaks to his everything we've heard about him right. and everything when we've met him at expos or uh -huh. he always seen and like you said when you hear him on TV and you see him interviewed you can get that sense that he's right. genuine but what a great what a great story and I agree with Julie I think you should take it as a sign and a motivation and maybe you know set some <laughs> goals whatever those might be and yep. see where it goes
I think I will do that. It, it's an experience I will not not ever forget. And uh, you know, I was really kind of on a high about it for the for the rest of the week. And I you know kept on wanting to tell people. Um, and every time I told talked to Lisa that week or we texted, she's like, you know, are you still all excited about this? I said, I am. You get to be. You <laughs> I said, get to be. This is my 15 That's minutes of fame, whatever it is. But it was just a great um, experience. And, you know, so I'll continue to run, you know, as I am. And when I'm out of town, I'll continue to do it because, yeah, you get never to meet know. people. And you, you know what? Pay know. it for, too. You, you know, next time you see somebody Absolutely. needs directions. Absolutely. Or, yep. You know, that's yep. great. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. It's really inspiring to us. And we'd love to help you get to Boston. If you decide you want to train for Boston, make sure you talk to us. But um, that is a great story. And it's inspired us, too, and kept us on a high all week, too. We thought it was such a great story. So. Well, I appreciate the time of coming and talk. It was it was fun. And uh, you know, I hope, I hope people listen to this and, and they get motivated also. Thank you, Mike. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Julie. So this is so cool. We saw um, on social media a post about a week ago where a local guy named Mike Wolf, a runner. Well, the post was on Meb's site, right? Yeah. Meb's Facebook page. It <laughs> happened to pop up that he had an, a, a, an encounter in San Diego with a runner, and it was this beautiful story, and he happened to be from D.C. So you reposted the story, and I looked at it and very quickly and recognized the name and thought the guy looked familiar but didn't really think much more about it until later when Lisa Wolf, our friend Lisa Wolf, posted, yep, that's that's my husband, Mike. So what, and it was a great, awesome story, and it was neat that we had the connection to him. Totally, so we decided to reach out to Lisa's husband, Mike, through Lisa, because Mike is not on social media. And Mike was still on his business trip where he had just met Meb, but agreed to speak to us this week. So one week later from his encounter, we had the opportunity to speak with Mike Wolf, and he is going to tell us firsthand what happened when he met Meb in San Diego last Monday. Not only met, but got to run with Meb. Not, not many people get to run with Meb, so I think that is super cool. So as a result, we're releasing this little bonus podcast this week on a Monday. We'll still drop our regular Thursday episode, but we wanted everyone to hear this wonderful feel-good story. So welcome, Mike Wolf. <laughs> 